So the, the Bible is not some old dead history book sitting on a shelf at your house with a bunch of dust on it, pressing flowers and little cards and notes, you know, that are precious to you. Uh, take all that stuff out, get that Bible off, blow the dust off, and get in that book. Now what we're going to focus on primarily this morning is Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible, but it is also the longest chapter in the Bible. It's the longest psalm in the book of Psalms, and it's the longest chapter in the whole Bible. It has 176 verses, and um, it just so happens that the subject of this chapter is the Word of God. When you read Psalm 119, you're reading about the Word of God. And so we want to give you three things to do to make the Bible come alive in your life. I've already given you one of those. I gave it to you last Sunday. And it was that if the Bible is going to come alive in your life, if you want the Bible to just spring up and just become a very, very important book in your life, then the first thing you have to do is value the qualities of the Bible. Value its qualities. And there are many awesome, incredible, amazing qualities of the Bible, but we focused on three of those. Number one, it is a timeless book. It is timeless. It is eternal. It is always relevant. Number two, it is truth. It is truth. It is a truthful book. Um, you know, Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? And Jesus had already answered that back in John chapter 16 when he said, Thy word is truth. And it is a treasure. It is a treasure. The Bible is to be a treasure. And I challenged you last week and asked you, point blank, eye to eye, is the Bible precious to you? And I want to say to you right here, right now, that if the Bible is not precious to you, and the Bible is not a essential part of your life as a Christian, then you're going to be a weak Christian. You're going to be an anemic, weak Christian. So the word is coming forth uh, in this series to make the Bible a treasure, make it precious in your life, okay? Now today we're going to look at two more things you need to do. And here it is. The second thing you need to do, not only should you value the qualities of the Word of God or appreciate the qualities, but you should assimilate the vitality, and that word vitality means life. You should assimilate the vitality of God's Word into your life. The word assimilate means absorb. Absorb the Word of God into your life. Jesus was speaking to some unbelievers one day. And his disciples were also in that group. And it's in the book of John chapter 6 and verse 63. He said, it is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who gives eternal life. He said, human effort accomplishes nothing. And then he said this, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Listen, the Word of God pulsates with life. It pulsates with life. And I want you to appreciate the Word of God. I told you that last week. I want you, I want you to appreciate its values and its qualities. But I want you to go a step further today and assimilate it. 
absorb it into your life. I like what one preacher said. He said, you don't eat the cookbook. You cook a meal out of that cookbook and you eat the meal. So the Bible's like that cookbook and it can sit on your shelf. And you can even honor it and appreciate it and talk about what a great cookbook it is. But do you cook, let me just make this uh, personal. Do you cook me something out of that cookbook? And, and I eat it, that cookbook hasn't done me any good. You've got to absorb the Word of God. If you don't assimilate the Bible, if you don't absorb it into your life, if you don't take it in, then no matter how much you appreciate it, no matter how much you honor it, it'll do you no good. So how do we assimilate the Bible? How do we get the Bible inside of us? Let me give you five things very quickly, and I'm, I mean very quickly, so jot them down fast. Here, here's why we run over some Sundays. You all do not listen fast enough. And I'm going to tell you, I've been meaning to address this, and I didn't know how to say it, but y'all need to listen faster. So get ready. One, number one, how do I get the Word of God in me? Pray over it. Pray over it. Well, pastor, which is most important, prayer or the Bible? It's like asking a bird, which wing is most important? Amen? Somebody sent me that in the email, whoever that was. Thank you. That's awesome. I thought that was a great illustration. Which wing is important to a bird? Both wings equal. If one wing is damaged, the bird cannot fly. You need the Word of God. You need prayer. Why? Why? How many times have I said it? When you are praying, you're talking to God. When you're reading the Bible, God's talking to you. That's a conversation, and that's how people get to know each other. And that's how people get close. So pray the Word of God. Psalm 119 verse 12 is a prayer. It's a prayer. Look what it says. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your principles. Teach me. Praying the Word of God. Who wrote the Bible? I mean, really, essentially, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. So then ask the Holy Spirit, the author of the book, to be the teacher of the book to you. Can you think of anybody better to teach you the Bible than the one who wrote it? That's what this writer is saying here in, in, in Psalm 119.12. Teach me your principles. Lord God, be my teacher. Now when you pray over the Word of God, let me tell you what will happen. When you're reading the Bible and you're praying, God will open your eyes. He'll open your eyes. Look what he says, Psalm 119, 18. Now, all these verses aren't going to come up on the screen, so jot them down in your notes. We gave you a little space for notes there. Psalm 119, 18, it says, Open my eyes to see. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your law, in your word. So he'll open your eyes. You remember when Cleopas and Luke after Jesus died on the cross and before they knew he was risen from the dead, Cleopas and Luke were walking down the road to... Thank you. God bless you. Somebody knew. Come on, y'all. Where were they walking? Down the road to... Walnut Street. Okay. All right. Whatever. The people at the bridge know more about the Bible than y'all do. I'm just telling you. So, uh, so they're walking down the road to Emmaus. It's Cleopas and Luke, and I don't know what they're talking about. They don't know Jesus is risen from the dead. They do know he died on the cross, but they don't know he's risen from the dead. So they're walking down the road, and they're talking about the Old Testament. 
And they're probably disappointed and confused and, and maybe some tears are rolling down their face. And then all of a sudden, this guy shows up and they don't recognize who it is and it's Jesus. And the Bible says this in Luke 24. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. I mean, that's one of the coolest stories in the Bible. Cleopas and Luke walking down the road. Now all they know is Jesus is dead. All of a sudden, Jesus comes up beside them. They're discussing the Old Testament. They don't understand some of the stuff they're reading. And all of a sudden, Jesus just starts teaching them. You know what they said? You remember what they said later? They said, my, how our hearts burned within us as he spoke the word unto us. Now, i got to tell you something. I have never been walking down the road and Jesus in the flesh walked up beside me. I've never had that happen. But I have been alone in my study with my Bible. And all of a sudden, Jesus just kind of showed up in the room. And how my heart did burn in me as he opened my eyes to the meaning of his word. He will open your eyes. You know what else he'll do? When you're praying over the Bible and reading and praying, he'll stir your heart up. He'll stir you up. He'll, he'll get you fired up and excited. I mean, to the point people will come up and say, dude, what's wrong with you? Or do that. What's wrong with you? And, and God will fire you up. Look what it says in the, in the Psalm 119.36. Bend my heart. Did you know you're born with your heart bent the wrong way? But according to the Bible, he'll bend it back if you'll just pray and read his word. He said in Psalm 119.36, bend my heart toward your instructions. Isn't that good? You need to get in that 119th Psalm, I'm telling you. Bend your heart toward your instructions, God. Bend, your heart, bend my heart toward your word. And then it says, not to selfishness. See, you're born bent toward selfishness. But you find out if you have open eyes and you begin to seek the Lord, you find out selfishness doesn't get you anywhere, does it? Doesn't get you anywhere. But when you begin to pray and say, God, bend my heart toward your instructions, I tell you what, God will do it. And I tell you what else God will do. He will give you the desire for his word that you don't have. I have people come up to me and go, Pastor, you know, I want to be a better Christian. I want to be stronger. But I tell you, it's just the biggest effort to read the Bible. Well, then you need to pray about that and say, God, make me hungry for your word. Make me thirsty for your word. Does anybody have to tell you about 12 or 12.30 that you need to get some lunch? No. No, you, you know. There's, a, there's something in you that goes, Bojangles, Bojangles, Bojangles. You know. Do you know that if you'll seek God, that when you begin to, to, to get low on your spiritual food, he will, he'll, he'll give you that same hunger? He'll remind, and you'll say, you know, I, I've got to get in the Word. I, I'm just hungry. He'll create it in you. Say to God when you're reading the Bible, incline my heart toward you, O God. Move my heart toward you. Open my eyes. Stir my heart. When your eyes are open, your heart will get stirred. And you know what else will happen when you pray and read the Bible? Your mind will be enlightened. Look what he said in Psalm 119.73. He said, you created me, O God. You created me. And you put me together. Look what he says. Make me wise. I'm reading out of the con contemporary English version here. Make me wise enough to learn. Make me wise enough to learn what you have commanded. 
You say, Pastor, you know, I, I've, um, I'm dyslexic or, or I'm, I've got this problem or I've got that problem or I didn't learn very well and I didn't do very well in school and, and I, I just don't learn as fast as other people and I'm not as smart as other people. Well, you know what? When I was in school, I wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer either. But I prayed when God called me to preach and I said, God, I mean, one time in school, guys, I brought home a report card, straight C's. Does it get any more average than that right there? I was an average guy. But, uh, and the kids are now going, C's, what is that? Because they're like 3.7s and all that. I don't even know what. I'd, I'd be even more confused if I was in school now. But I, wasn't, I, I, I didn't make great grades in school. But when I was called to preach and I went to Bible college, <clears throat> I made A's and a B once in a while. Because I was so desirous to know, and I asked God, God, help me learn. Help me be able to learn. Help me. Help me. Help my dumbness, oh God, you know. <laughs> and God did. He did. And, and honestly, I did far better in college, uh, Bible college. And, and I was in secular college for a while, and I struggled in secular college. But when I got in Bible college, God fulfilled the scripture of Psalm 119.73 and helped me to remember and comprehend and be able to communicate. Does this make any sense? I'm telling you, God will help you learn his word, but you've got to ask him. you got to pray over this thing. How many times in a, in a time when I was getting up a sermon, have I felt like God led me to a scripture, but as I studied, I couldn't get it, man. I just couldn't get it, and I couldn't really understand what he was saying. And, and so I would, I would roll out of that chair and get down on my knees, and I'd say, God, i got to preach this Sunday. And I don't really know what you're saying right here. And God would just come and help me understand. Uh, I get kind of teary right there because those moments are awesome, and they're so precious. So you got to pray over it. The second thing you got to do, uh, y'all are not listening fast enough. Come on, come on. Uh, the second thing y'all got to do is ponder it. Ponder the Word of God. And, and we talk about that in verse 15, Psalm 119, 15. Not only do you read it and pray over it, but you meditate on it. That's what the word ponder means. You contemplate the Word of God. He says, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. And then we go to verses 147 and 148 of Psalm 119. I rise early before the sun is up. I already don't like this verse right here. I already don't like it. It says, I rise early before the sun is up. And I cry out to you for help. And I put my hope in your words. That, that's that person who says, you know what? I want to get up 15 minutes before my husband does or my wife does. I want to get up 15 minutes before the kids do. And I want to just have me some time by myself with God. And, and that's what it's talking about there. And you say, well, Pastor, I'm not a morning person. I have no compassion toward anybody in the morning. Are some of y'all like that? And, uh, but but you're, you might be a night owl. Well, look at the next verse. It says, I stay awake. The very next verse says, I stay awake through the night thinking about your promise. So whether you're an early bird or whether you're a, a night owl, listen, you work that in your schedule. You know your personality, so it's real important that you do that. And always have a pen with you and a, and a piece of paper. Uh, a person who reads the Bible and prays without a pen, a piece of paper, you know what they're saying to me? God ain't going to give me anything. God ain't going to give me anything. 
You don't know what God might give you, and you better be ready to write it down. You say, oh, if God speaks, I'll remember it. <laughs> the weakest ink is better than the strongest memory. Amen? So get that ink pen, get that piece of paper, and write down what God gives you. Hey, listen, expect Him to give you something. Expect it. God wants to speak to you a word for you out of His written word. So have your pen with you. Let me just talk about a couple of things here. When you're studying the Bible, you need to know that in the Bible there are many forms of speech. When you're studying the Bible, you need to know when you're reading poetry because that's going to affect how that's supposed to be interpreted. When you're reading the Bible, you need to know when you're reading prophecy because that's going to affect how you interpret that passage. Uh, if you're reading a precept or a promise or a proverb, and, and some of you may not know this, but a proverb and a promise are not the same thing. A proverb is a general uh, principle that you generally apply and you get general results. But a promise is different than that. A promise says, this will happen. Proverbs is just um, telling you how to live your life so that you might live it to the fullest. You might live it to the fullest. So a proverb and a promise are different. You need to understand that difference. God gave you a mind. He wants you to use it. God is not going to zap you with knowledge. Um, you've been redeemed and, and you have the mind of Christ. When you're saved, you, your mind is uh, uh, no longer totally controlled carnal. Now the Holy Spirit is there and he wants to teach you in your mind. So open that up. Open your mind up. A lot of people think when you get saved and you give your heart to Jesus that you kind of take your brain out and check it at the door, you know, because now you're just led by God all the time. Listen, God gave you that brain and God gave you that mind. And I like what old Dr. Adrian Rogers said. He said, let God sanctify your common sense. Let God sanctify your common sense. Somebody called me or, or emailed me or Facebooked me or Twittered me or something. I don't know what they did. But they asked me, Pastor, I've got a big decision to make, and, and how do I, I, I want to know what's the best thing to do. And I said, listen, sometimes God will show you. Sometimes God will just show you what to do. Now, I love that, don't you? He just makes it easy. But most of the time, he doesn't. Here's what God wants you to do. When you've got a big decision to make, you pray about that. You're saturated in prayer, marinated in prayer. You read all the scriptures you can read about that thing that you're trying to decide about. And then remember, you're a child of God. And not only has your heart been redeemed, your mind has been redeemed. You know what you do then? If God don't give some sign or show something directly, you just go ahead and do what you believe is best. You just go ahead and do what you believe is best because you're a Christian. Am I making any sense here? Your mind has been redeemed, and so you've prayed. You've read your Bible. There's nothing else you can do. You don't feel God saying, stop, don't move forward. So you just do what you believe is best. And, and most of the time, you're going to hit the nail right on the head. Then people come to me, and they say, Pastor, should I uh, interpret the Bible figuratively, or should I interpret? Interpret it literally. You ever had that question? Do you interpret the Bible figuratively or do you interpret it literally? You know what the answer to that is? Yes. Yes. You interpret it both ways. Did you know in the book of Revelation that the devil is uh, pictured as a dragon? A dragon that is so big with a tail so long that he can swoop that tail through the universe and uh, wipe out a third of the stars. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's not literal. That's figurative. 
That's figurative. That's symbolic. And those uh, third of the stars, that's uh, fallen angels. And there's a whole lot of teaching that goes along with that. But just really be careful that you understand that there are symbols in the Bible. Now, here's what a lot of people do with that. They go, okay, well, that's a symbol. That's not really how it is. So there isn't a devil. There is no devil. You ever, you ever heard people kind of figure it out like that? Well, see, that's not true either. We know there's a devil because in Luke 4, our Lord Jesus dealt with him 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. So we know there's a devil. He tells us to flee from the devil. He tells us greater is he that's in us than he who is in the world. He's talking about the devil there. So we know the devil's real. He's a decided fact. He's a destructive force and he's a defeated foe because of the cross of Calvary. So the devil's real. You say, well, that just confuses me. And so, uh, so I'm supposed to look at a symbol and, and see something there. Well, uh, here's what you do. When you see something in the Bible that is a symbol, listen carefully, you study and find out what that symbol means, and then you apply that literally. For instance, if you're going down the road and you've got a little toddler with you, a little two-, three-year-old, and they don't know how to read, they can't read, but they see the golden arches. And they start saying, cheeseburger, nugget, chicken nuggets, you know, fries. They know, don't they, what the symbol means. Now, when you look at that symbol, you don't look at your children then and go, oh, that's just a symbol. There's nothing called a McDonald's. There's really not a McDonald's. You see what people do with the Bible? And it's wrong. No, you get excited too because you love those cheeseburgers too. And you pretend you're taking the children. We know why you're going. Let me give you six things real quick. Just jot these down that you need to ask when you're reading a passage of Scripture. Number one, is there a promise to claim? When you're reading a little verse or a passage in the Bible, ask yourself these six questions. Is there a promise to claim? Number two, is there a lesson to learn? Is there a lesson to learn? If anybody ever wants my sermon notes, by the way, I've had people asking me, will you send me your sermon notes? I will send them to you. So all you got to do is give me your email address and I'll shoot them to you. Um, promise to claim, lesson to learn. Number three, is there a blessing to enjoy? Amen, amen? Is there a blessing to enjoy? Number four, when I'm reading the Bible, I should ask, is there a command to obey? Is there a command for me to obey in this passage? Number six, or number, uh, whatever number, five, is there a sin to avoid? Is there a sin to avoid? How many of you think that's important to know? And number, number what, six, is there, is there a new thought, something I didn't know that I learned today, is there a new thought to carry with me? Listen, if somebody ever asks you to, to speak on a passage of Scripture, if you will take that passage and ask those six questions and answer them out of that passage, you'll have your Bible lesson right there. You'll have your Bible lesson ready to teach, ready to share with it right there. Those of you who are teachers, always run, always run these questions over the passage you're studying and bring these points out, okay? So uh, read it through, the Bible, read it through, think it clear. Write it down, pray it in, live it out, and pass it on. That's what we're supposed to do with the Bible. You say, I didn't get that. Well, buy the tape. All right. Number three. 
Preserve it. you got to preserve the Bible. That means remember, memorize. Memorize. You can memorize better than you think you can. Listen, some of y'all sitting out there can tell me every joke you've heard in the last 30 days. My wife told me that if I could remember the Bible like I remember a good joke, she said you'd be some preacher. She needs to keep her thoughts to herself. Because mm. she's usually right and I don't like it. Preserve it. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word. I have hidden it. I have hidden your word in my heart. Because I know if I will, I will not sin against you. That's strong language. Psalm 119.16, I delight in your principles and not forget your, I will delight in your principles and not forget your word. Remember, here's what will make you memorize something. If you concentrate on it, if you concentrate on it, you'll memorize it. If you'll concentrate, I, something happened yesterday and I still have it in my memory. I cannot forget it. Carolina lost in state one. I just, because I concentrated on that and it just is still there fresh this morning. <laughs> I just lost half my congregation right there. <laughs> hey, it don't happen often. Let me have it. Let me, let me enjoy it. Concentration. Here's the second thing that will help you memorize. Motivation. What fires you up? What motivates you? The Word of God ought to motivate you. And then finally, utilization. If you use it. Don't just read it. Assimilate it. Use the Word of God. Speak it in your house. Speak it to your children. You know, speak it to the devil. You know? Like that lady went shopping and her and her husband had decided that they weren't going to spend any money over $25 without talking to each other because they wanted to get their financial house in order. And he came home, there was a dress laying on the bed brand new, and he looked at the tag and it said $240-something. He looked at her and said, what in the world, what in the world is going on with this? And she said, the devil come on me. He said, the devil came on me, made me buy that dress. He said, why didn't you tell the devil to get behind you? She said, I did, and he told me it looked good back there, too. <laughs> that joke works every time, praise God. So, I don't know how that ties in with what I'm preaching, but it's still funny. <clears throat> if you know the principles of God's Word, you can, you can use it. You've got to know how to speak to the enemy, and the only way you can speak to the enemy is if you know the Bible. You can look at the end. What did Jesus say? Every time Satan tempted him, Jesus said, Thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. And when you know the Bible, when the enemy is coming against you, you can go, Oh, I know what you're doing, but God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. But see, you can't know what God said if you're not reading your Bible. That's good preaching right there. Number four, you got to practice it. Pray over it, ponder it, preserve it, practice it. You got to do it. You got to do it. Live it out in your life. Psalm 119, verse 1, look what it says. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless. Look at this. Who walk, that means live out, who walk according to the law of God. It's not enough to recite it. It's not enough to quote it. It's not enough to memorize it. You've got to walk it out, live it out. If you want to learn more about the Bible, start doing the parts you already know. It's like car headlights going down the road. You don't slam on brakes and go, I can only see 25, 30 feet in front of me, so I got to stop right here. No, if you'll drive into the light you got, you'll get light further down the road. 
If you'll start living according to what you know, God will give you understanding in the areas you don't know yet. Um, people say this, I just don't understand the Bible. Pastor, if I understood it, I'd read it, but I just read it and I don't understand it. And I go, where are you reading? They go, Revelation. I go, I don't get that either. Get out of the book of Revelation. They go, you know, if I could ever figure out what the third toe on that left foot of that beast means, I, I believe I could move on with my Christian life. <laughs> Quit worrying about that part. Do the part where he said, love your neighbor. Do the part where he said, forgive one another. Do that part. And then he'll tell you what that toe on the left foot of that beast in Revelation means. Or maybe he won't. <laughs> Proclaim it. That's the fifth thing. you got to speak this thing. Speak it out. Speak it with your mouth. With my lips, I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. With my lips, I have spoken the words of your mouth. Psalm 119.46 I will speak to kings about your decrees and I will not be ashamed. Isn't that good stuff right there? Psalm 119, 172, let my tongue sing about your word, for all your commands are right. Listen, before you come up criticizing our music now, you need to be careful. I had somebody come up after me, uh, come up to me after church one Sunday, and they said, I don't like this music. I said, what don't you like about it? I knew what they didn't like. They didn't like this part. <laughs> they didn't like that. They said, we need hymns that have, you know, good doctrine in them. Hey, I love that. We sing some hymns. We sing them a little different. But we sing hymns here at Whitley. And I said, which song didn't you like? And they told me. I said, uh, what didn't you like about it? I said, it's so shallow. I said, brother, that was a verse out of the Bible. I enjoyed saying that. I cannot tell you <laughs> how much I enjoy going, that's a verse right out of the Bible. Because that, that, that discussion was over right at that point right there. So be careful. Listen, God doesn't just, look, I love the old hymns too, but God didn't just give people songs back then. God's giving people songs now. Amen, amen. That's good preaching right there. You say, what am I supposed to do with the Bible? Stow it in your heart, show it in your life, and sow it to the world. Speak it out. Stow it, show it, sow it. Stow it, show it, sow it. See, the way I just did that, make y'all remember that. You say, he's a nut, but I got that part of the message. Listen, here, here's the thing about the Bible. It's amazing. The more of it you, the more of it you uh, give away, the more of it sticks to you. The more the Bible you give away, the more of it sticks to you. Isn't that good? You know, most stuff you give away, you lose it. But the Bible, the more of it you give away, the more of it sticks all over you. Man. I wish I'd said that. That's good. Number three. Oh, I'm sorry. What was the first thing? What was the first thing? We got to appreciate the values of the Word of God. What's the second thing? We got to assimilate it. Now let me give you that third thing and then I'm done. You got to appropriate the power of God's Word. Appropriate means you got to go out there and take it. Listen, you got to. My wife used to sing a song way back in the old days when I had hair. She used to sing a song, reach out and claim it, child. You're standing on holy ground. Y'all remember that old song? 
Reach out and claim it. This is what I'm telling you. Quit acting like the Bible's for somebody else. Quit acting like the Bible's for great preachers like Chuck Swindoll and, and Dr. David Jeremiah and, and all these great preachers we see on TV. We really like to hear them. Look, the Bible isn't for them. Oh, it's for them, but it's just as much for you as it is for them. You reach out there and claim that Bible and say, God was talking to me. He was talking to me. This book's for me. This is my book. This is my word. When God wrote those scriptures, he wasn't just writing them to Billy Graham and Paul. He was writing to me. Appropriate it. Appropriate it. Reach out there and put your hands on it and say, this is God's word to me. Here's what will come in your life. Freedom will come in your life. Freedom. The Bible's a source of freedom. It says in verse 45, 119, it says, I will walk in freedom for I've devoted myself to your commandments. It is a source of growth. He said in verse 32, I will run the course of your commandments. I will run the course of your commandments for you shall enlarge. That means growth. You shall enlarge my heart. You know, somebody walk up here on a Sunday morning and go, Preacher, preacher, I'm just so weak. I'm just so weak, preacher. I can't hardly walk. And I said, well, what in the world? Sit down here. What in the world? Uh, have you been to the doctor? No. I've been to the doctor. Well, have you got a disease? I don't think so. I don't think so. And I said, well, my Lord, man, what are you eating? And they said, well, there's a little restaurant I go to on Sundays if it ain't raining. Y'all with me? So there's a little, little restaurant I go to once a week if it ain't raining. And, and I eat that meal. Well, what do you eat other than that? I don't eat anything else other than that. And I would go, you're, you're going to starve to death. Let me tell you all something. If this is the only meal you're getting from the Word of God, you, and I know it's good. Now, I know it is. But <laughs> if this is all you're getting, you're going to die. You know what I hope to do with the choir music and the praise music and the sermon? You know what I hope to do? I hope to just whet your appetite so you say, i got to have some more of this. Listen to me. You've got to learn to feed yourself. If you don't learn to feed yourself, you're going to die spiritually. <laughs> he said in 1 Peter 2, 2, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that they may what? Grow. Grow. It's a source of joy. Some of y'all walk around here, you look like you got baptized in vinegar. You know why you look like that? Because you're going by how you feel and you're going by your circumstances and you're going by your emotions and you walk around here half sour all the time. Honest to goodness, I see some of you coming, I run and go the other way. <laughs> I'm sorry, cameraman. Um, joy. Joy is the flag that is flown from the castle of the heart when the king is on the throne. Joy. Joy ought to be waving from your life. If you're an old sourpuss Christian, stay home till you get some joy. Don't be going out saying, I go to Whitley. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Where do you go to church? I go to Whitley Church. <laughs> Please stay in the house. Get you some joy, brother. 
Psalm 119, listen to these verses. Your principles have been the music of my life throughout the years of my pilgrimage. That's one of the most beautiful verses I've ever read. Psalm 119, 54. Your principles, your word, your Bible has been the music of my life throughout the years of my pilgrimage. If the Bible is not music in your life, something wrong. Verse 111, your decrees, O God, your word are my treasure. They are my heart's delight. Jesus said, these words, these things have I spoken unto you that you might have joy, the fullness of joy. And then it's the source of power. He said, the word of God is quick and what? Powerful. It's a source of encouragement. Listen to this. I weep with grief. God, I, I have my grieving times. Lord, encourage me. Verse 28, Psalm 119, 28. I weep with grief. Encourage me by your what? By your word. And then it's a source of guidance. Verse 105, it's a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. These are the things the word of God offers. These are the things the word of God will be to you. Can I ask you something this morning? What are you lacking? What are you lacking? Here's what's wrong in most churches today, especially Pentecostal charismatic churches. We want, we want a shortcut around the Scriptures. We want somebody to anoint us and lay hands on us and pray for us and kind of shake their hands when they do, you know, because that's when something happens when you shake your hands, you know. Blow on them, whatever. We want, listen to me, I didn't mean to offend anybody. If I offended you, you come up after service and I'll forgive you. We want to quit. We want, we want easy you want to be a mighty woman of God. You want to be a mighty man of God. There's no cheap way. There's no cheap way. There's no lazy way. There's no easy way. You want to be a mighty man of God. You want to be a mighty woman of God. Then learn how to pray. Learn how to read your Bible. And let that word of God be assimilated in your life. Reach out there and appropriate the power of that word into your life. Claim it for yours. And joy and encouragement and freedom and power and all of this will come through the word of God. Now listen, we'll pray for you this morning. I laid hands on people this morning. I'm not talking about that. I'm not downgrading that. But I'm telling you, if you've got the idea that there's a hocus-pocus, abracadabra in the name of Jesus thing that we can do over you and you're going to be a mature Christian, God, don't do it that way. you got to get in that book. you got to get on your knees in prayer. And you got to do it more than just on Sunday. Y'all love me? I'm really not talking about y'all. It's that next crowd that's coming in. They're the ones in. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, God, for what you've put in our hearts today. Change us. Make us like you. Help us, oh God, to, to fully surrender to your desire in our life, not resist you. If we don't love the word like we should, may we begin to pray for a hunger and a thirst for your word. God, if we don't want to pray, then God, when we do pray, may we ask that you would make us hungry for prayer. Oh God, make us a, not just a big church with a lot of people, but a healthy church. We want to be a healthy church. And we know the word of God will do that for us. To your name be all glory and praise and honor forever and ever. And everybody said? Now right before you go, right before you go, listen. If you would like prayer, if you want to talk to me about the sermon, if you want to ask me questions, if you'd like to accept Christ as your Savior, please come. We're going to have prayer people up here, prayer ministers, we to If you're our guest today, pick up your gift before you go. Don't forget tonight. 
Sunday Night Live. We're going to have a great time. Come on back. This is my prayer.